You see a really old person, do you want to gravitate towards them and talk to them, or do you sort of want to walk away? Our culture, we have to admit, our culture tends to walk away from older people. But they really are an incredible experience waiting to happen. I, I was, uh, a month ago, I was up at a shooting day at Beaverbrook Gun Club up 65, and there was this old guy shuffling around. And I ended up being able to get in a conversation with him, and I was so blessed that I did. I mean, he was shuffling to just move, but once you started talking to him, he had an incredible story to tell. He was an ex-Marine gunnery sergeant, had fought, sorry, had fought in some key battles in the Korean War, and was just talking about that. And had been in some incredible ceremonies through his years in the Marine Corps that I would have given my left arm to just be watching. And the more he talked, it was just like, wow, what he knew. And then, because of what he'd done in the Marines, he started giving tips on how to shoot accurately. It was obvious I needed those tips, but... (laughs) The, the, The wisdom that was packed into this old guy shuffling around. And it would be so easy to miss that. But once you started talking to him, it was like, wow, what he knows, what he understands. Do you think that could be true for us as Christians? In the sense of, do you think some folks who've gone before, that we might say really old Christians, might know some things, might understand some things that we could learn from? I think that is true. There's that old saying, if you don't know history, you're doomed to repeat it. The whole point of that being that we can learn from history. We can learn from those who've gone before. Because in that going before, they learned some things that if we don't listen to them, we have to relearn. And so I want to do that today for this thing we call Christmas. But it's really what a lot of people around the world would call Advent. Now, I have a confession to make for you, and and it's a confession that probably a chunk of us in this room would have to admit. I, I didn't grow up with Advent. I grew up with Christmas. In the tradition I was raised in, we talked about Christmas, and we knew there were some other denominations that had that thing called Advent, but we didn't know what that was. And we weren't those denominations, so we didn't want anything to do with it. And it was really only as an adult listening to history that I said, well, what is this Advent thing all about? And I realized that those old Christians throughout church history would scratch their head at a lot of us today if we said we're interested in Christmas, we're not interested in Advent. And they'd look at us and say, what in the world are you talking about? That's what Advent's all about. It is Christmas. The word Advent literally means the coming. The coming of Christ. The coming of God to earth. That's what Advent is all about. But as I began digging around into what those old Christians had to say about Christmas and Advent and all of that, I learned some things that really challenged me. 
And I want to look at those today. I, I was fascinated by it all. Because in a sense, where I was raised, when we just talked about Christmas, we focused on one time God came. And every year at Christmas, we would spend a month studying all of the people and events when God came that one time in Bethlehem. And we would have our stables and our manger scenes and look at that series of events. But when I began looking how the Christians in history looked at that, they looked at three times God came. And that in history, as Christians came to December, they would look at all of these comings of God. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. So I want to throw that out for you to think about today. And I want to do it in a sense, wow, way to go, Kim. She not only writes my sermons, she fixes the slides. I want to use three gifts as an analogy to talk about this today, okay? Three gifts that God gives us. Three gifts that every Christmas we need to remind ourselves about because they are wonderful gifts, blessings to us. The first gift is the gift we traditionally think of at Christmas. The gift of God himself coming to earth. The prophet is quoted in Matthew, if you want to turn over to Matthew 2, and you may want to grab a Bible because we're actually going to look at a lot of different scriptures today. The first one is in Matthew 1, 22 and 23. When we're talking about Jesus coming to earth, this is the angel talking to Joseph and, and all of the events that are going to happen. And we read there, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The first gift that God gave us as Chris, at, at Christmas was the gift of himself. That God would leave heaven and come to earth, leave perfection and enter a broken, sinful world. That was his first gift. Paul talks about it at length in Philippians 2. How amazing Christ is that he was willing to give up all of his rights and privileges of God in heaven and come to earth and be born in a stable and live a humble life of servanthood. To come near. But the whole concept of that is to come beside us because we need him. It's the language of a Savior. It's the language of this person who cares so much they cannot stand back and just watch. They see someone in need and they come near to help. And that that's what God is. That's how much He cares about me and you and our life in this broken world that has been brought home to us this week painfully so. And God says, I care too much to stay up here. I am going to give myself to you to come to earth to help you. Simeon talks about, if you flip over to Luke 2, Simeon, as he holds the baby Jesus in the temple, Jesus is seven days old, he's being named. 
and Simeon holds him. Now the really cool thing that we infer from this, read between the lines, is at some point earlier in his life, Simeon, who's this old Jew, has been told by God, Simeon, before you die, I will let you see the Messiah, my Savior, that I'm sending to deliver Israel. I promise you, Simeon, you'll get to see him before you die. Now, at this point, Simeon is getting old, and yet on that day, Mary and Joseph walk into the temple with Jesus, and God says, Simeon, there's the answer to your prayer. There's the baby I promised you'd see. Now, notice what Simeon says, Luke 2, 29 through 32. Here's Simeon's prayer back to God. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. There's two words that Simeon uses there that I want to draw out. One is revelation. Part of what gift God was giving us in Bethlehem, in that manger, was he was revealing himself to us. That in this baby, in this Jesus who would grow up out of that manger, we would get to know God. That God would say, I'm taking away the fog so you can know me better and deeper and more completely than you've ever known me before. I, I, I love the passage over in 1 John because it explains revelation. John says this is what we were writing about. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This is what we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. That's revelation. That is God saying, I'm going to come near so you can see me, you can hear me, you can watch me, you can touch me. So you can know me. Because that's what God's about. Us knowing Him and Him knowing us. That caring God who says, I want a relationship with you because you're my children. And so I will come near. I'm leaving heaven and coming to you so you can know me. Of course, the other word that Simeon uses there is salvation. Christ came to earth knowing what waited him. And he still came. God knew the outcome of the story. God knew about the cross. God knew that Christ would need to die to be our Savior. Because we could never be good enough to earn our own way into heaven. And still he came. That's the other part of God's gift at Christmas. That first gift not only coming that we might know him because he comes near to us, but that we might be saved because he dies for us. 
a greater gift we could not imagine. That's what Paul talked about as we had communion today. There's always some jarring note for me, and Kim and I always struggle with this as we talk about worship during December. How do you celebrate his birth and celebrate his death? How do you be happy about his birth knowing the poor guy is going to die on the cross? How do you put those two together? They're so opposite. And yet that's the Christmas story. In the midst of the joy of the birth of Jesus, there is what awaits him. And we say, wow. But yet there is joy in that too because that death was for us. So we're saved, forgiven. We have hope. We are cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And that makes that gift even greater. The revelation alone, God coming near so we could know Him, touch Him, feel Him, see Him, watch Him, that would be a huge gift. No other God in any other religion even claims to have done that. Our God did, but He did it not just so we could know Him. He did it so He could die for us. And that's the gift of Christmas, the first gift. But there's more gifts that God gives us that we need to remember as we come towards Christmas. I need to ask your patience, though, because I want to jump over the second gift and go to the third gift. I promise you we'll come back to the second one. Advent literally means the coming of God. Well, it is a time for us to remember not only that first coming, but to see that first coming of God to earth as Jesus as a reminder, a promise of another coming of Jesus. That He is not coming only one time. He is coming again. And has promised that He will come. And this first coming is just a small taste of what that second time he comes will be like. We think this is great, and we love the story, and every year we spend so much time looking at all that God did. But do you realize this is only like a rough sketch on a napkin of what he's really going to do when he comes again? We think this is grand and glorious, but when he comes the next time, it's no holds barred. It is glory from one end to the other. This time it was in a stable and a few shepherds saw it. And a couple other folks. And even after 33 years, there were a few thousand in one area of the world who knew. The next time he comes, there will be no doubt. It will be as lightning from the east to the west. The entire world will know and watch because he will come in glory and might and power. And this first one should always remind us it's not his only coming. It should always remind us there's another coming. There is another advent. There is another time God will come to earth. And we should know that. And that fact that we are to be reminded of every time we celebrate His first coming has a huge message for us. Turn over to Philippians chapter 3. 
Paul talks about this other time God will come to us. Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Our citizenship as Christians, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Paul is saying, we have hope. We have hope because Christ is coming a second time to earth, and when he does, he will set everything right. We need that message this week. For it has been brought home to us powerfully so how we live in a broken world. And some of us, even at Christmas, wrestle with our own lives that are carrying scars of brokenness, sometimes our own brokenness and sin. Sometimes it is the brokenness of sin of others around us. But Paul says, we wait with hope and expectation because the second time Christ comes in power for the entire world, He will set everything right. He will set us right. And we will be perfected. But he will also set the world right. That which is broken, painfully so, will be broken no more. That is a message we need to hear at Christmas. We think this Christmas, the first Christmas, is glorious. But the second time he comes will be so much more glorious. It gives us a sense of expectation. I was thinking about presents. Do you know what you're getting? Do you know what's in some of those presents? That's good news, bad news, isn't it? It's fun to be surprised, but it's also excited if you know something's coming that you really want. It's like, oh, how many days? I want to open it. I want to get it out of the box. I want to use it, play with it, wear it, whatever it is. And there is that expectation. Well, the New Testament tells us what we can expect when Christ comes. And that sense of expectation, it it gives us strength as we face an imperfect world. As we have our own struggles, we find strength in what's coming, that other gift. Hopefully it gives us patience. This world may not be perfect now, but it will be. Things are going to be fixed. And that gives us an ability to hold on. We may be frustrated, but we find some patience there. But we also find hope. Things will not always be this way. And in that, we can find our joy. Our joy in God, in Christ, in his death for us, that he has already come once and that he is coming again. We think the first Christmas was great, that first gift, but there is another gift coming that is even greater. Well, that leaves that second gift that we need to go talk about. It is also a coming, an advent. 
And that's why those old Christians talked about the three advents, the three comings of God. He has come in Bethlehem. He will come in the future. But there is a sense that he is also coming today. This is the gift we get to open today. The first gift was already opened for us in Bethlehem. The third gift is still wrapped and we're waiting when we get to open it. But the joy of Christmas is the reminder that God comes to us now, still again. I think most of us would say, oh, I would have loved to have been there with Mary and Joseph. I would have loved to have been one of the shepherds. Just a camel driver with the magi. Just so I could have been there and seen it. When God came to earth. But you get to be present today when he comes to earth. For he comes into our lives and is present with us every much as he was in Bethlehem. It is also an amazing coming. When that all began, we read about it back over in Acts 2. The day of Pentecost. Jesus has returned to heaven and God comes again, this time as spirit. And he dwells in all his people. Peter stands up to explain it and uses a prophecy from the prophet Joel. And he says, what you're seeing here, people, here's what you're seeing here in this huge crowd in Jerusalem today. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke, the sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now you need to understand that concept, in the last days. Sometimes we read that and we think that means that second coming, that third gift. But that phrase is actually stating in the final period of history and that's what we're living in that final period of history before the third gift is brought and opened for us and what God says there is in that second period that final period that second gift the final period of history I will come down and I will take up residence in my people through this spirit of God And I will do miraculous, amazing things because I will be living in them. Jesus talks about that. He says, the kingdom has come to you. Now, God's kingdom has come here for you. Now, we look around in our own lives. Sometimes we look around in the church and we say, I don't see all this. That's a long discussion because the reality is that power is available for us. And whether we see it or not is a part of our listening and letting God work in miraculous ways. 
You talk about, we talk about it all the time. If we go overseas into other countries, we see Christians and amazing things happening because they feel so helpless, they just let God's power work. And these kinds of things are happening today. It's about us opening up our lives because God wants to give us that second gift. And that is for Him to come and live in us that we get to experience personally in us that advent. That's that promise of God. That He would come to us. The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom has come down to you. We can be in God's kingdom now. Jesus himself says, we can become God's children with all the rights and the privileges of being a daughter, a son of God and him being in us now. My question for you is, do you have a gift for God? You know, one of the worst things that can happen in the next 10 days, somebody brings you a gift and you don't have anything for them. We feel terrible, don't we? You see somebody walking up, you know you don't have a gift for them, and they have a box in their hand or a gift bag, and it's like, ooh, I forgot them. I didn't get it yet. Whatever the reasons may be, and we feel terrible, don't we? Well, I want to put a little pressure on you. God has given you three gifts. Three times he has, is, and will come to you and give himself to you. But the logical question is, what do you got for him? Now we look at the Magi and say, well, they did pretty good. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They gave back a gift, three gifts. Well, I want to relieve you. You don't have to go out and find gold, frankincense, and myrrh. God actually wants something different from you. Again, back in those prophets, it's interesting what God would like from you, from me, from us. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. They will be my people. I will be their God. For they will return to me with all their heart. If you wanted to give God the gift he wants most from you this Christmas, it would be that you would give him your whole heart. Nothing more and nothing less. Give him your heart this Christmas. He has already given you three amazing gifts of himself. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you have done and given to us, for what you desire to give us every day, in yourself and the gift that's still wrapped that we are waiting for when you will come and give yourself again to fix this world father help us give our hearts to you the one gift you want from us in your son's name amen